Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Fry Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for tuning in. Today, I have two, not one, but two interview guests today, and I am so, so, so stoked to have them on board um, to be able to contribute to this podcast. Um, We have Dr. Micah Yu and also Dr. Melissa Mandala. Say hi to everyone for you guys. Hey, everyone. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Uh, So these guys are calling in from Southern California. Um, So Dr. Micah Yu is uh, pretty much a SoCal native, board certified internal medicine, um, also did his schooling in Chicago, and he's pursuing his rheumatology fellowship and also has a heavy, heavy interest in osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, gout, lupus, the whole bit. And uh, he is so, so, so stoked to be able to share his story. Dr. Mandala is also a SoCal native and family practice physician. And she is also doing a big in terms of lifestyle um, and also pursuing her positions at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. So I'm, I'm so glad to have them both on board um, so I'm going to direct the question to you. I usually start this off by telling, um, just asking them to get the guests, you know, how they're, how they got to this point, you know, just to kind of share a little bit of their story. And you guys are so passionate about what you do. Um, and, uh, let me direct the first question to you, uh, Micah, um, tell us how did you get to this point? And I know you have a little bit of a personal story with this. Yeah, well, first off, thank you so much for having us on the show. We really appreciate it. So how did I come on to become into rheumatology? So it all started a long time ago. I was first diagnosed with gout um, back in high school. I was on a very high protein diet. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my goal was to lose a lot of weight. So I went on the Atkins diet. I did lose a lot of weight. I lost about 20 pounds. But um as a side effect of that, I got diagnosed by gout um, at a very early age of 17. Mm. And then um, I started developing an interest in physical therapy, overall health from doing football in high school to losing weight and developing gout. So from that's where my interest in medicine started. So over the years, I kept digging into nutrition, into health in general. And then when I got into medical school, they didn't really teach much nutrition, mm. but I realized that rheumatology was where pretty much my heart was set on. Not only um, was I learning about my own disease with gout, but I was learning about other diseases as well that were very, very interesting and very complicated, such as what you mentioned earlier, osteoarthritis, lupus, scleroderma, mm. dermatomyositis. So all these autoimmune diseases in rheumatology, I found very, very fascinating. However, my gout disease wasn't 
just only gout. I over the years I had multiple episodes of joint pains that were not very consistent with gout. Mm-hmm. I would have joint swelling in my hands, my feet, my ankles, and even a lot of tendonitis as well. And I did go to a rheumatologist and they couldn't really explain why I was having all these different types of arthritis that were not consistent with gout. Mm. My inflammation markers were always elevated. And I did notice an association with food, but I couldn't really was triggering my pain. So throughout the years, I had random types of arthritis, joint pains that were really not um, that were, were a mystery uh, to the doctors as well, to the rheumatologist. So when I went to Southern California and did my residency at Loma Linda, I saw the staff in the rheumatology department there, and they were able to finally diagnose me with a different type of disease called spondyloarthritis, which is a basically a manifestation of a group of diseases, uh, also within the spectrum of ankylosing spondylitis, reactive arthritis, and psoriatic arthritis mm-hmm. as well. So I finally got my answer for all the weird joint swelling and joint pain that I was having throughout the past 10 years of my life. So not only did I was it I was gout, but I also had spinal arthritis. And luckily, Melissa uh, introduced me into lifestyle medicine uh, through the documentary called Forks mm-hmm. Over Knives. And from there, I went on a whole food plant-based diet and I started to dig into nutrition even more. And within two months, my joint pains and my joint swellings pretty much resolved. I would have 10 out of 10 pain. I would limp before to now maybe like a one Mm. out of 10 pain maybe once every two months. So I pretty much reversed my disease off medications. So from the part where I had gout at a very young age and with unexplained a mystery of joint swellings got me into medicine and eventually now what I'm doing rheumatology, which is something I'm very passionate about and I'm able to connect yeah. patients on a patient to patient level basically because I and I understand yeah yeah pains. yeah that that's that's I'm sure I know um I know as a as physicians you know we um rheumatology is a very Rheum, rheumatic disease is actually, you know, a very um, complex, uh, you know, thing to tackle, you know, because we were talking about many, many different symptoms and, you know, and, and they can overlap each other. So it's a very, as a health provider, you know, for our audience members, it's a, it's a lot tougher to be able to diagnose and um, a lot tougher to be able to kind of piece together. So I'm sure from your personal experience, um, you know, that was very, very uh, daunting um, in a way. So um, I would say, uh, Melissa, like, I, I think that's great that you were able to share that, um, you know, with your husband, you know, tell me, uh, you know, what was what was your path? Uh, you know, it, you know, did it did you get into lifestyle medicine or your interest in lifestyle medicine before uh, your husband? Or how did how did lifestyle medicine find yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I, and I th- I love that. It's really um, coinciding. How did it find me? How did I find it? And I really didn't know what it was called initially. I would say just growing up, I essentially just loved whole, wholeness, wellness and health. And I, I saw it within my own family. I, I saw autoimmune interesting in my own family. So my father had psoriasis and we, we just didn't get it. Why did he have flares? And 
and he was under a lot of stress. But at the same time, we noticed our family went through an experiment. So we were literally the weird family in the 1990s or late 1990s. He um, took away um, the the microwave, which is not something that I promote. It's just something we did and went to from white rice to brown rice, took away mm. Foods, took away soda um, and all this junk food. And we realized that he actually got better. Um, and mm. that was simple um, testament, like how those steps actually led to a healthier life. And so I just, I put that into my own practice. I, I studied psychology and then I really enjoyed the human interaction, how that is also a big part of wellness, our, our relationships, how we connect with others. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why we thrive is because we have a set community and we can learn from each other. And then essentially, um, I would say I in medical school, that's when I noticed a big connection with my lifestyle and my overall being is when um, Mike and I were actually dating during that time. And mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. We were going back in the day, thinking of our path, and he actually did physical therapy. He was interested in pharmacy and I was interested in psychology, but all these things together, we ended up being extremely stressed. So we found ourselves like almost going to all these, eating a lot of frozen food, going to um, fast food joints on a double I say almost every day and mm. we a point where we became un- unhealthy. I had unwanted weight gain um, during that period. And then I, I didn't do as well a- academically, but when I shifted, when I actually did my best in my medical training was when I actually exercised daily. Um, mm. When I ate my, my fresh fruits and vegetables that I was raised on. Um, and then I felt so, so much better. And going into that, I went into medical training, came to Loma Linda and then I've, I knew the connection and I, then I got exposed to the blue zones. And I, Mm. I, and I think that was an an amazing to know, Hey, these, there's actually people who live so long um, up to their a hundred and, and they live where they don't have to be on medications um, for that, for an entire life when they just simply just walk and eat. Right. And, and have a good sense of their community. And so uh, when I, I got introduced to lifestyle medicine here at Loma Linda. And then I went to a conference and you probably know this conference, Mm -hmm. Colin, Mm -hmm. um, American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And that's, and that's where it was at, where um, we were totally immersed and, and we had that opportunity to taste these delicious foods. And I never knew this is a a way of cooking. I grew up as a carnivore. I think as Asians, we ate every animal. <laughs> we, we, ate, we pretty much ate everything, you know, that moved, you know, like I, you know, I have a Chinese background and like, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Micah, you know, can attest to it, but like we ate everything that moved. And yes. so, um, but yeah, that's, that's, um, that's very interesting. I'm sure, you know, did, did your family member, um, get better over time once you change, um, that kind of, uh, I, I guess food regimen for them? Yes, yes. Um, so the, he got a lot better, less flares, um, just like Micah experienced. And then even for me, I felt that my I had some reflux issues. So I had GERD, I had IBS-like symptoms. So I didn't even realize, like, why was I having um, bouts of diarrhea? And and it wasn't always stress, but it was food-related. So I would be really sensitive um, to certain spicy foods. Um, right, right. Uh, certain types of foods, sugary foods. So then that, all of that really, I saw the huge connection. And, and so going into 
this lifestyle medicine world was exactly what I was looking for. Um, because for my patients, when I could simply say um, in my medical training, experiment with them saying, for example, if we just cut down um, the amount of sugar, increase the amount of plants, and I would see A1Cs from 12 go down to 10 to 9 mm -hmm. to 8 to 7 just normalize mm -hmm. and see that with my own eyes um that's when i knew this is the way i wanted to practice yeah 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 um for our audience members an a1c is a three-month average of your uh glucose levels so um so those are big big trends to be able to see as a healthcare provider um you know to be able to see dramatically with you know with the adjunct of um or using lifestyle as an adjunct to medication or if you know, for example, diabetes or just diet control, to be able to see that drop is, you know, really, really amazing. Hey guys, we're gonna be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Um, Micah, back to you. Um, what was what was your eating patterns like before you got diagnosed? All right. So as I mentioned earlier, I was on the Atkins diet back in high school, mm. towards the end of high school. And I was eating, I would say, up to 200 grams of protein a day back in high mm -hmm. school for about six months to a year. So I would eat steak. I would eat salmon, like a 12-ounce salmon. I would drink a lot of milk, a lot of protein shakes mm. and protein bars and whatever and i would eat i remember back in um for lunchtime i brought a 12 slices of ham for lunch just ham no bread <laughs> and Man. i would try to get as much protein in as possible and people were looking at me like i was crazy and when i ate it it wasn't even pleasant because i would get nauseous from the food but i felt like i had to get all this protein down right and it was this this uh, unfortunately caused me to have a gout flare, but mm. um, but over the years, college, my diet, I mean, I ate less protein being educated on gout from the physician and on my own research, I knew I had to eat less protein. So I did, but I still ate frozen food, processed food, sugary drinks. And in medical school, as you know, Colin, we don't get taught nutrition very much either. And we're always studying, always stressed. Mm. So me and Melissa, we still ate frozen food. Uh, I mean, we were trying to incorporate more fruits and vegetables and um, just healthy greens in general. But the predominantly, it'll be still processed food as well. Um, and it wasn't until I learned about lifestyle medicine and learned about my disease for first, so how important fiber was, how important just eating a whole food plant-based diet was to overall health, not only in terms of my disease reversal and improvement, but also to our overall mental state, mm -hmm. our energy mm -hmm. and our motivation in life mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, because I think it's a very powerful motivator to you know have these changes within yourself. And um, a part of lifestyle medicine is really, uh, you know, really you know, experiencing it for yourself and then being able to, you know, convey that kind of experience to be able to, you know, relate that to the patient, right? So it's much harder mm -hmm. to, um, you know, tell someone to quit smoking, for example, when you still smoke. So I think it's a great, um, you know, it's a great, not just platform, but, 
you know, specialty that we're in. It's a great space that we're in and it is growing. Um, so I, you know, when I, I, I joined uh, American College of Lifestyle Medicine around like 2013 and, um, you know, we, we were able to see, you know, almost like a, uh, exponential curve, you know, of how mm-hmm. the, the, the movement has grown so much. And, um, you know, Melissa, how, what have you seen? Um, because I know that, you know, from, you know, using social media, you're able to connect with so many people. And I know that you have a lot of peers um, in Loma Linda um, because it's such a great uh, uh, um, uh, educational hub uh, for lifestyle medicine. What are the trends that have you witnessed uh, with the medical students, with other residents and, uh, you know, seeing patients on how lifestyle medicine is growing? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's tremendously a big part of not just today's medicine, but the future's medicine. So people from a very, very young, I would say in their careers, as young as an undergraduate career, and then into medical school, and even into professionally. So we have nurses, pharmacists, PTs, and mm. health coaches. It's it's really trans-professional and, and transgenerational. And I think that's the beauty of it, is that there is a big wave. They're seeing that, uh, and they not only get it at conference, but they see it on media. There's something about people speaking out and just sharing their story and how, you know, I feel so much better when I, when I am able to meditate or walk or exercise in a way where it's a routine and it's a lifestyle. And so more and more people are being more vocal. And I think more and more students and residents are searching for that. And they're searching for a formalized education where show me the evidence. I know it exists. I know it's real, but let me know more. I want to know what are, what are the studies? What can I do and actually practice it in, in the real world? And I think that's where all these gaps are actually being filled. And that's why we love the American College of Lifestyle Medicine is because there's a community that's really rising to that need. And so we see it, I would say, in the medical school forum. So there's um, they're trying to implement lifestyle medicine curriculum officially, actually, in four medical yeah. schools. So not only in Loma Linda, there's also one in Texas, um, South Carolina, and Florida. And, and that's becoming a reality for these students and residents. Mm-hmm. And, and in all aspects of training. So it doesn't matter what specialty you are, which is amazing. So there's primary care, but there's cardiologists, rheumatologists, GI doctors, and they're searching too in the social media realm. And so I think that it's great because everyone is trying to get get together and just see how we can bounce ideas and and promote this in our community because our community, um, they're they're not always in the clinic. <laughs> they're not always at these um, amazing conferences, but they're, they're out there um, in conversations in the grocery store or at a, mm-hmm, a festival. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's amazing. Um, that's what social media does is bring communities together. And, and we've met so many amazing leaders um, in in this space within all across the country and the world globally, which is amazing where we, we just come together and we, and we really go out there and we just, we are transparent in what we, what we do. And we're also, uh, in, we encourage each other because it's, it's not the mainstream at all yet. Um, even though there's tremendous growth or about 60 to 70% growth from last year to this year in terms of the membership of ACLAM. But I think that overall, um, we stick together and that's what makes it fun and exciting because we, we know that we're making a difference in the community in our world. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. I, um, over the years, I've definitely seen a growing trend and, you know, using social media, um, you know, it's a very, very powerful Avenue, 
um, to be able to reach, you know, just hundreds, thousands, you know, as much as possible. Um, Michael, what do, what do you feel like is the importance of, um, you know, having more physicians uh, play that role in social media, you know, using lifestyle? Do you feel like um, it's a great avenue? Do you feel like, you know, because there's a lot of, I'm sure, you know, people use, it's almost like people use social media to kind of even get their own health tips. You know, I get a lot of um, people who say, you know, right before, you know, they come and see me, they've already Googled, you know, a hundred million different types of searches on their symptoms. But what do you feel like, you know, as, um, you know, a lifestyle physician, you know, the role of using social media, um, to be able to, you know, is it right to dispel these health claims? Is it our role? Like, what do you, what is your opinion on that? Right. So I, I, I think it is very important for a lifestyle message to, get on social media and get their um, ideas off of what lifestyle medicine is because there's, there's a lot of pseudoscience mm-hmm. out there, um, as you've noticed, Colin. And there's a lot of health claims from people that are not even doctors. And in order to get our word out there, we have to get on social media and basically um, get our peace on the internet or else if we don't or if we don't play the role of the advocate of lifestyle medicine on social media then no the, these patients will never hear about lifestyle medicine until they see a lifestyle medicine physician and that's i think that's kind of dangerous to have yeah. all these um pseudoscience out there so and there's you're gonna have patients out there that don't have access yeah. to doctors and they're only gonna get their health information through the internet so in if we can get our peace of mind out there on social media, on the internet, on lifestyle medicine, and if patients can utilize that information to their own benefit, I think that will basically help transform their lives. And if they don't have access to a doctor, then it will be very, very fruitful yeah. for them. And it might even transform the family's eating habits and health habits. As yeah, well. yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And, you know, access to healthcare in general is still a you know, growing, uh, growing issue that we have, you know, um, it is different versus other countries that's already been, um, you know, across the board, you know, people have access to healthcare. So, um, and I think, you know, we're making a lot of movements in terms of policy change, um, for lifestyle medicine. So, um, so my question to you, Melissa, is that, you know, what do you find are the biggest misconceptions, you know, um, you know, looking at, you know, nutritional science, food, lifestyle habits, um, you know, from patients when they walk through your door, um, when you see them. Sure. Yes. I So I talk about lifestyle medicine or just nutrition on a daily basis, patient to patient. And I think just when I present it to them, you can see the fear in their eyes <laughs> and you can see the, the, the questions that they have. And it's really, really basic in the point where they're they're scared they're scared of eating um salads every single day they they think that's what they do and that's what they will need to um, be healthier or lose weight. I, and I think it's just uh, for some cultures and some backgrounds, it's a big jump for the, for them and for them to go on the cliff and say, okay, here you go. This is what it means to soar or to, to actually um, do well. Um, so I think that just taking a step back, a couple steps back and really just meeting the patient's needs because there's a lot of misconceptions where a healthy lifestyle means not just salads every day, but where you have to be this marathon runner. And that's how you are actually being able to get rid of some of your 
chronic disease, but really there's, it's just these small incremental steps. And I think that's one thing that I, I share with my patients is because they're, they're very overwhelmed with the amount of information, even within nutrition, if it's on media, if it's in, in their conversations with the healthcare team. And so just taking it where they, where they're at is one step. And I think that the biggest misconceptions are that number one is the salads every day number two is that you have to be an extreme athlete and Mm. then number three is being able to they really think that they have to have still protein it's a big conversation but it's real they think healthy converse or healthy food is high protein and low carb and Mm -hmm. that's still not um that does that leaves out a lot of nutritional value in fruits vegetables and Mm -hmm. beans and whole grains and so i i I just take it to them where, you know, all these fruits and plants have a lot of antioxidants and they're anti-inflammatory. They have high fiber and that's what really helps with disease. And we really don't need a lot of protein. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not the beef. (laughs) That's not what, that's not what we're, um, that's not where we see the best um, health. And so just coming to them and even explaining, for example, what a blueberry is. I had a patient, which was so, which was so interesting where they never seen a blueberry before. And Mm. so, that conversation say okay what's a vegetable what's a fruit because they actually didn't even realize as well that a salad is a vegetable too so i mm. underserved community um and so knowing the community well is helps me um get to work with patients and work with their family and see where can we where can we begin and to also get ahead of their disease and so once they they really find just a little bit of bite-sized nutritional advice they are Mm -hmm. actually able to take it um, and implement it where okay I can actually transition to soy milk and almond that's probably the first step and the only step for one month and that's enough Mm -hmm. and I think that's I think that's very valuable is really knowing your uh, knowing your community yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, so it's kind of, you know, what you said is, you know, t- you know, meeting where they're at, taking it step by step and just really holding their hand and, you know, kind of unlearning uh, what they've either been taught, what they've seen or what they're used to, you know, like lifestyle, um, as you guys know, and, you know, for our audience members is, it's not a quick and easy um, thing to change. It takes time. It takes understanding. It takes education. Um, so, uh, Micah, same question to you. What What was your experience with uh, um, patient uh, patients coming to you, and and what kind of misconceptions um, have you uh, have you observed over time? So, most of the population that I see is in the underserved community of Southern California in the San Bernardino region. So a lot of the food habits that patients think are healthy are a high protein and a low carb diet. And I try to teach these patients that they need to eat more fiber. Mm -hmm. They need to eat more fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. And a high protein and low carb diet is very, very inflammatory. And especially in autoimmune disease, it can make them Mm -hmm. flare. So I really try to play, and you know, in medicine, we don't get that much time to see patients. I mean, I get 20 minutes of follow-up and I have to review all their medications, go over all their symptoms and try to find time just to mm-hmm. educate them on this process. So really what I try to emphasize in my clinic is just trying to meet them where they are at because some of them don't eat any fruits yeah. at all, no vegetables, any carbs, processed carbs and uh, protein. So, you know, I, I try to, what I've learned was that you can't 
just take a patient and take them all the way to 100% whole food plant-based yeah. diet because they won't. And if they do, I've had some patients that just rebound back. They do a week of it and they can't take it anymore. So mm. they go back to their old eating habits. So you have to really guide them um, step by step and teach them how exactly do they eat better and what what will they take out, uh, out of their diet until the following visit um, that will make them healthier, whether it's I have some patients that are drinking two liters of soda each day. And my goal for that patient was just to cut down one mm-hmm. liter of soda and, and just maybe incorporate one fruit a day. So really, um, it's, it's hard. It's right. very hard. But I think it's possible if you take baby steps with the patients. And eventually, you know, it's, it's really rewarding when you not only see your patient get better, but they actually change the lifestyle of their whole family. And they talk about how the family is getting better and how they're so thankful and so appreciative that um, they, their children are mm-hmm. eating better. They, I had, for example, I had one patient with lupus and she started eating almost 100% whole food plant-based. And she said her daughter possibly had um, lupus as well, autoimmune disease. And just from her incorporating the changes in her diet, she was able to incorporate the changes into mm-hmm. her daughter's diet. And her daughter is feeling so much better now and doesn't doesn't get the joint pains, doesn't get the rashes mm-hmm. that she mm-hmm. used to. So you know, it's the role of uh, lifestyle medicine physician is a lot of education, yes. more so than a, a doctor that's in uh, primary care or in uh, such specialty. There's a lot of education that goes involved um, instead of uh, pushing. Yeah, pills yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Twenty minutes is actually really good, <laughs> but I can see, I can see, yeah. I can see. You know, for an audience member um, that are not healthcare providers, you know, we have to do a lot within. You know, for example, you know, for me, it'll be like a fifteen-minute visit. You know, to be able to, like, um, you know, uh, Micah said, you know, be able to go through all their medications, their histories, update them. You know, and. You know, it's a it's a huge thing. So, you know, I agree with you. You know, when I've served in under uh, when I've um, practiced in underserved communities, it's you know, we get food deserts. You know, you don't really have access to actual real food. Hey, guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Um, so my question, my question, follow up. Um, you know, anyone could take this. Is you know, what do you, what do you say? You know, do you say like, you know, if there's a farmers market, you know, go to that, or um, you know, do you uh, like how do you how do you make the small changes in terms of people who are in food deserts? I think it's really valuable just to know. Where if where they shop, um, I I just like to know that if it's a local Walmart or if it's some um, over here we have a some Mexican Latino supermarkets and mm-hmm. knowing where they shop they have a variety of their ethnic fruits and vegetables and just and so just giving them ideas I show them pictures I actually show ask them do you have this in your grocery store or do you have this in your family's garden for example tomatoes tomatoes are super easy to grow especially in this heat. And so just being able to let them know, okay, well, this is something you could probably eat on a daily basis. Uh, And I know there's tons of probably of those fast foods. There's like fast food joints on every other block around where we live. Um, But if they're able to have just one grocery store and one family member that grows 
um, local, their own garden with fruits and vegetables. That's, I think that's a win. Um, and, and then just knowing the value of water, simple things, water, water, water. And so, mm-hmm. um, reminding them that that's, you know, that's something that fights chronic fatigue, that fights headaches, that fights lightheadedness and gives you more energy. So just giving them a lot of our patients just want to know what it looks like in the big scheme of things. They don't, may not necessarily, um, have the, the connection with their diabetes or high cholesterol or or high, their thyroid imbalance, but they're more so really in tune with their energy level. Their ha- mm-hmm. their 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 if they're young, I work with student health, and so they're all about performance. If they're able to do well in school, if they're able to mm-hmm. um, run faster, those are some things that really cue into um, what they're in what we can engage with so those are some examples of how i engage them within the community and then luckily at our um, fqhc so it's a federally qualified healthcare center we do have a farmer's market that comes once a week which is amazing and then we also have a urban garden and so the medical assistants and volunteers would just go in there and just um, grab squash and the zucchini and we just harvest, um, especially during the summer, and then give it to patients. And then we had food pantries as well. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's it's pretty, there is a way and we just we just get really creative in, in providing that for our community. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, there's a lot of ways, um, you know, once you're able to kind of tap into and I would suggest to audience members to, you know, look at their, you know, township or county, um, you know, just look at what is available, because there's probably a lot of resources that you may not have heard of as well. Um, so uh, we're going to come to a close. Um, you know, I would love I love hearing about you know, um, experts and, you know, what makes them thrive. So I turn the question to you, Micah, is, you know, what has made you thrive over the years? And um, can you share, um, you know, pretty much three tips that you could help uh, audience um, to be able to better their lives right now? Mm -hmm. So what's made me thrive over the years? um, I think what I've come to revelation, uh, realization uh, over the past two years, um, since I went on a whole food plant-based diet and basically reverse my arthritis is that being awake every day and being pain-free and knowing that a whole food plant-based diet has basically changed my life. It's changed my energy levels. And it's made me more motivated uh, now than before as a physician to get the word out uh, about how important that nutrition is uh, to our overall health. And we don't get taught that in yeah. medical school and in our training in general. So, you know, my three tips are Basically, to incorporate more uh, fruits and vegetables into your diet, find something that really motivates you um, is my number two tip. Find something that motivates you that not only benefits you, but benefits humanity in general that you can teach um, the community on, help the community Mm -hmm. thrive. And my third tip is to basically stress less. Stress really damages the system overall. And if you can find ways to relieve that stress through meditation, prayer, or just through your social network, that will make really make your life better and more yeah, colorful. Yeah, that that's awesome. Melissa, same question to you. Okay, I, I try to keep myself as concise as possible. Um, <laughs> so hard, you have no idea. Um, because like this, I love it. this is driving and living this is where I actually feel the happiest right now meaning this part of my training because I I'm doing what I love I I get excited for when I get a 
meet patients and talk to them and hear their story from beginning to end. And, and I, and I really just love patient stories, getting to know them. And so I'm all about relationships. If you didn't know that already is just being able to, okay, well, what's your life story? What, why, what makes you cry? What makes you jump for joy? What makes mm. you leave to take risk, but love it at the same time? What, what makes you in the point where you're excited to go to work to where you're excited to come home to your family. Uh, what is that? What is that fine balance where you're actually in a point of, of health and wellness, but also to the point where you just can't stop talking about it, where you're sharing with um, your friends and family and, and it's so meaningful to you. And I, and I, that's what I see. I work with patients who just had a life or death experience, for example, stroke, heart attack, a, a traumatic brain injury or spinal cord injury where they're paralyzed. Um, and, and most of the time, their key things that they are motivated is by their family and friends. That's just the number one thing. And, and the, I see patients in the outpatient setting where they're pretty much healthy. They're not in a, an acute setting where, where they're almost on the edge of death, but it's still the same answer. And still family, friends, and then it's really that that love for life and that love for people. And I see that's the number one thing that helps me thrive is just stay stay connected. That's the I would say the number one. And then number two is I'm finding um, an activity that you love, so it, that keeps you active. So I I Mike and I we just love either walking, hiking, but I really enjoy spin and bar. So I've mm. actually routines in my weekly schedule. Okay. It does not feel like a burden or a chore. It's just, it's just who I am because I'm happy doing it. And so, but mm. it keeps me healthy and it keeps my mind settled and at ease um, after a long day of work. And yeah. so um, that's another one. So finding an a physical activity you enjoy. And then third is enjoy the kitchen. You, if you don't see us on social media, we love our recipes and we just experiment with it because the kitchen is a place where I know where I grew up, where we had these casual conversations and we we bonded over food and we bonded with each other. And it's really a, a family oriented experience where you can just ha be okay to like mess up recipes and may not taste the best, but hey, you you tried and, and you can tweak it around and then you and you really just play with different things that are nutritionist too. So don't be afraid to try flax seeds or chia seeds, or don't be afraid to um, try that exotic fruit or that exotic vegetable. And you never know what you can make that is actually very satisfying to your palate and, and to your health. And so I think that what that's what makes us thrive. It's not just me, but Mike and I just being able to keep um keep going and progressing in a way where we're 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 not at a standstill um where I, I think we are like almost like a ship we're just always traveling just like we love traveling the world we also just like traveling to meet people moving around and trying different recipes and types of food so i think that's what we're about in a in a nutshell i try to make <laughs> um that's the story <laughs> yeah 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 well you know what? You guys are such a lovely couple. I've, um, you know, had the pleasure of meeting you guys both, and I'm sure we're going to meet each other more in the future. Um, but you guys are a powerhouse team. I can't wait to uh, see what you guys come up with. Um, if anyone is interested to be able to look you guys up, you know, where are the best places to go? Sure. So, so our, we have, uh, we're pretty active on uh, social media. So we have an Instagram. Our handle is uh, Dr. Lifestyle 101. That's DR Lifestyle 101. And our Facebook page is the same handle. And we do have a website. It's drlifestyle.org with a DR as well. Okay. Okay. 
Well, um, thank you again um, for coming on to the show. I really appreciate you both. And uh, you guys are doing awesome things. And, uh, you know, thank you everyone for listening in. This has been another episode of Thrive Bites. Uh, please catch us uh, every week and follow and subscribe to us. All right, guys, thank you so much to you too. And we will see you uh, next week on the next one. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you liked that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.